welcome to our first episode of Unprofessionals Asking Questions. I'm Julia. And I'm Sid. And we're your co-hosts for the evening and always. Yeah, every episode after this. <laughs> you won't get anybody else. <laughs> uh, we first want to thank you for listening to us and all of your support. We're just here to hang out, ask some questions, and most importantly, just have fun with it. Maybe learn a few things along the way. Absolutely. But... Just yeah. don't take us too seriously. No, <laughs> never. You'll know when we're being serious or not. So, well, hopefully, I might have to lay it out for some people. <laughs> Maybe for a while, we'll just follow it with a "I'm kidding." So, Sid, let's talk about what we're talking about today. Yeah. So, in honor of Women's History Month and International Women's Day. We wanted to put together an episode honoring all those influential women that we haven't always heard about in history class. So, and we figured this would be a very good first episode to jumpstart our whole project. Yeah. Because we're women. <laughs> and <laughs> yay. That's what I am, mom. <laughs> all right. So we picked several different ones that we're going to talk about on this episode, but you could definitely do a deep dive into any of their stories. Yes. They're just amazing women with so much history. So we just kind of briefly skimmed some of these, just dipping our toes in. Julie is going to end the episode on a specific, well, two specific influential, influential women um, and tell a little bit of their story just to end the episode. So the rest are just a brief overview and again, we could definitely do full bloat episodes on any of them. And who knows? Maybe we'll make our way back around to them. Yeah, maybe at some we'll point. like cover one person, mm-hmm. one specific thing. Who, who knows? Right. No boundaries. So I'll kick it off with I started asking myself, you know, who is the most influential woman in history and what makes them influential? So obviously, the first thing I did was go to Google. And I taped in most influential women in history. And there were tons and tons and tons of lists where every single one of them does deserve to to be on the list, I think. But the very first article was 10 Influential Women in History by Hardware Hardware Network. And I'm just going to go over those and say, like, briefly what they did. Um, I know you go a little bit more in depth, but... Because of my story at the mm-hmm. end, I don't want to go too long with everybody. No, just balancing it out a little bit. So, Sid, let's start with Jane Austen. And I am sorry if I mispronounce <laughs> any one of these names. It'll um, happen. It, it will happen. It's just I'll cute. do my best. Please don't be mad. You can email us the pronunciations, <laughs> but don't be mad. So, Jane Austen was born in 1775 and she died in 1817 she was one of the most famous writers in english literature i mean have you ever heard of pride (laughs) and prejudice yeah so there is a way more about jane and her literature so if you are interested in that please look more into it the next one i have is mary curry Mary Curie. Yeah, I knew you'd probably say it. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> oh, you actually want me to say it. Again. Yeah, I don't even know if we said it right. It's just it's French, so you gotta like. Yeah, get but some fun in French there. has never been like my 
That's terrible. Don't. Oh, I thought you told me it was terrible. Not what I did. Uh, okay. Anyway. So she was born in 1867 and she died in 1934. She was a Polish and French physicist and chemist who conducted pioneering research on radioactivity. Being remembered for the discovery of radium and polonium. I don't know if I said that right. I don't even know. What I mean, is. looking at the spelling, I? I think that's exactly how you say it. <laughs> you know what it is? Um, no, it sounds like. We'll look it up. But she's also known for her contributions in finding cancer treatment. She was mm-hmm. the first woman to receive a Nobel Prize award, and she won two in total. Okay, I need to look up what this is. Define polonium. It is the chemical element of atomic number 84, a radioactive metal occurring in nature only as a product of radioactive decay of uranium. Okay. Polonium. All right. It's fun to say. It is fun. (laughs) But that's why I didn't know if I said it right. Because it was too fun. Yeah, it was too simple in the... (laughs) Right. It's not even boring. (laughs) No, it's very simple and straightforward. So if that's not right, let us know. Oh my god, I'll cry. If that's not, if there's some other way to pronounce polonium we're unaware of, send it Polonium. in. Polonium. I don't know. Have you ever heard of Maya Angelou? Oh, yes. Yes. She's a queen. She was born in 1928 and she died in 2014. Maya was an activist, journalist, actor, dancer, and poet. Her autobiography, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, made a huge impact on the literary world and opened doors for African-American authors and women. So she was on a lot of lists Mm -hmm. that I looked up, and I think she deserves every every ounce of that respect. Next is Catherine Graham. She was born in 1917, and she died in 2001. She was the chairman of the board of the Washington Post Co., for company for 20 years she led it to be one of the top newspapers in the u.s and most notably when it was when it published the pentagon papers and reported on the watergate scandal nice yeah we love a good scandal we do especially watergate yeah (laughs) she was the first woman ceo of a fortune 500 company she was the first female publisher she was one of the first female publishers of the U.S. newspapers, and she won a Pulitzer Prize in 1998. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. She definitely accomplished a lot. I'll be honest. I don't know if I've heard of her. I don't. Well, I don't. I actually, Catherine Graham, I feel like I have heard of maybe in like movies or mm. I don't know when I'm like doing deep random dives on presidents, <laughs> but yeah, some of these women I will say I've never like heard of, or if I did, it was like really like touch base mm-hmm. on So Florence Nightingale. <gasps> I just love love her name. Oh my god, what an amazing so name. So much. <laughs> yeah. Her parents did it right. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Florence Nightingale. She was kind of like an well no, that's a bad joke. I'm not even gonna say it. <laughs> okay, moving on. She was born in 1820 <laughs> and she died in 1910. So like honestly for that time she was 90 years old. Wow. Yeah. But probably because of her career, she was an English social reformer reformer stat statistician. 
Statistician. Statistician. It has stats in it, so it's not for me. (laughs) No, same. And founder of Modern Nursing. She played a part in making hospitals a safer and more sanitary place by improving hygiene practices. It still blows my mind that it took to like the 1800s. And if she was born in 1810, she probably didn't accomplish this until like mid 1800s. And it was as simple as just like boiling water. Yeah. Or like sterilizing Mm -hmm. the tools that you're using. The fact it took them so long to realize that. I know. All the wars, all the Muslims, all the deaths. So International Nurses Day, I thought this was a really cool fact, um, is held annually on her birthday, which is May 12th in honor of her. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. I did know about International Nurses Day, but I just never knew that they did it on her birthday. So I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you ever heard of Helen Adams Keller? Um, Come again. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think so. Nope. Never a Helen Keller fan. Oh, yes. Oh, that was... Oh, I was thinking that. I'm like, I shouldn't say that. Why not? Um, Iconic song. <laughs> so we learned about her in, I want to say third grade is when that started. I think it was around third grade for mm-hmm. me, too. You had her book. Mm-hmm. That's all I really remember. Yeah, I had someone in my graduating class. And also, I like went to elementary school with him. His last name was Keller. So I just like remember all of us were. I, can I say that because I didn't say his like real name. My family is has Kellers as well. No, but like, can I oh. shout someone out? That I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Shout out to you know who you are if you're listening. But uh, yeah, we all like we're like, oh my gosh, is that your relative? You know, I don't think I've ever like even thought about that. And you're family. really into Kellers. That's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, maybe she, maybe she was like a great, 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 great like aunt for you. Maybe I'll get back on my. She uh, got your sight. Oh, bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> it, it was there. It was there. Low hanging fruit. Anyways, <laughs> she was born in 1880 and she died in 1968. She was an American. That's author. when my mom was born. When your mom was born. Yes. That was two years before my mom was born, and three years after my dad. I don't want to put my mom to shame. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said yeah, that. Yeah, my we, mom was born. But mom, you you were born when Helen Keller died. Are you Helen Keller? Please, <laughs> please let me know. Write in. American author, disability rights advocate, political activist, and lecturer. She was blind at 19 months old, so she wasn't born with it. But I think it was something just like at that time. I wish I could remember more from whenever we read the book. Yeah, I didn't because of like actually learning about her in history which i know like we don't remember i just don't want to like overly focus Mm -hmm. on her but yeah i mean she definitely was an amazing woman she played a massive role in advocating for education and equal rights for people with disabilities so i think that was really cool and in 1915 she founded the helen keller international which is still around today (laughs) okay please bear with me on this pronunciation (laughs) And if you hear anything, my cats are going crazy. I thought I put all of the toys away. Do you want me to go take that from them? Okay. That's okay. I mean, I wouldn't take toys from my boys. Okay. <laughs> it's Butter's favorite toy. Of course, this. She, in the middle of the night, like up and down the steps, up and down the steps. It's the loudest thing because it's just this big wire thingy. But, anyways, all right, I'm good. Okay, so the next one is. Junko Tabe Tabi. 
Close enough, probably. Okay. I do apologize. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Born in 1939 and passed away in 2016. She was a Japanese mountaineer, author, and teacher. She was the first woman to conquer Mount Everest and climb the highest peak of every continent. The, the first woman to conquer Mount Everest. Yes, ma'am. Which is so, yeah, I mean, that is amazing. Also, to do it in, on every continent. That's cool. Yeah, I just did over a little, like a little over a 5K and I, you know, couldn't make it. <laughs> I mean, I made it, let's be honest, but if it had an incline, nope. Oh my goodness. No, I need to whip my butt in shape. Same. But I still, even if I was in shape, I couldn't do it. So this is just blowing my mind. Yeah. I mean, I know there are people out there who can physically do things that I cannot anyway. But it's called discipline and... Yes. I guess want. <laughs> Yeah, and just the time to do it. And good weather. If you wanted to do it, you'd find the time. Yeah, because we don't live in PA. Actually, PA can be really beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. The weather's just unpredictable. 70 degrees one day and snowstorm the next. Yeah. Hmm. But she did become director of the Himalayan Adventure Trust of Japan. That's cool. All right, I have two more to go, and then I'll pass it over to you before I might die. Sounds good. So, Haja Fatima? Fatima? Yeah, that sounds right. Born in 1754 and died in 1852. She was a tradeswoman and philanthropist. She moved to Singapore in the 1800s from Malacca, Malacca, and married a Bugis Bugis prince from the Celebes. I think it's Bougie. I think so, too. No, <laughs> Bugus. <laughs> she gave back to society and would help build homes for the poor, donated her land. She also donated her land to build a mosque, which is known as Haja Fatima Mosque in Kampong Glam. For, it is the first mosque in Singapore named after a woman, which honestly, like, I feel like that's really a huge milestone mm-hmm. for, for, like, the area that... Um, She's in because like their civilization was founded way before like ours and like how long it's taken us to get to this point. So she was also inducted into the Singapore Women's Hall of Fame in 2014 for her philanthropy. And the last influential woman I have on this list is Sophia Blackmore from 1857 to 1954. She was an Australian missionary and she was sent by the Methodist Women's Foreign Missionary Society to work in Singapore, where she founded two girls' schools, Methodist Girls' School and Fairfield Methodist Secondary School. She went door to door to persuade Chinese families to let their daughters get an education inducted into and then um she wasn't recognized for any of her work until 2014 when she was inducted into singapore's singapore women's hall of fame for her contributions it's always after they're gone it it really is and a lot of them like throughout all my research it really seemed like from the 2000s on is like when they started actually getting mm-hmm. like recognized so, but she went door to door to persuade Chinese families to let their daughters get an education. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of dangerous. Too. That's what I was thinking because you're pushing government boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because at first I will say, me personally, again, no one get offended. Like we're just people who have our, you know, thoughts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm unsure of like, is that missionary work like true? needs like is it necessary to go into a community and be like this is how it needs to be right like to change it and i know that they're doing 
good but like mm-hmm. overall like what that vision is and then this like i like this is like true good right you're like you're pushing you're advocating for not only like youth education but women's education mm-hmm. so that these women can also be like these girls can turn into an yeah. influencer like her so i do think that you know she really does mm-hmm. try to make the future a better place yeah, I couldn't imagine going door to door and being like, no, you're wrong. And I'm sure, like, not every family agreed with what she was saying, too. And I'm sure that she got just ridiculed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sent away. Definitely. So, all right. That is to get my little started on mine here. list. Yeah. Okay. So, I picked a few little things about several women here. Um, so I'm going to start off with, of course, Ada Lovelace. Mm. Uh, and it's funny because when I was doing my research, and this is so like not important, but when I was doing this, she was the one I was working on. And I just happened to be watching an episode of a show because I always have to have something going on in the background. Right. Okay. So I'm re-watching a show I've already watched and she's in the episode. I'm like, that's so weird. What were you watching? It was Doctor Who. Okay. So they went back in time and she was in an episode. That's cool. It was so cool, which is why I love that show. There's so many different historical figures. But anyway, it was just, I don't know, weird timing, I guess. It's a coincidence. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know who Ada Lovelace is, she was the world's first computer programmer. And even though modern day computers were not invented until over 100 years after her death, she still created the first program for for them. Isn't that wild? It is. Because I don't understand computers now. So before they were even a thing, she knew how they worked. (laughs) That's nuts. She was born in December of 1815 in London, England. She was the daughter of the famous English poet Lord Byron, who she didn't have a relationship with, I don't think at all, because she lived with her mother and they were already separated um, as she grew up. I don't think I know the poet Lord Byron. He's a, a famous poet lifestyle so his wife left because of course he's a romantic um and she encouraged her daughter to take an interest in mathematics and logic to prevent her from inheriting her dad's artistic temperament (laughs) which is a good thing i mean i don't know she wants her to be educated and not just flitting around yeah okay that's fair so i just like how that's worded how you worded that Uh, Ada met and corresponded with Charles Babbage, the inventor of the analytical engine, a precursor to the modern computer. Her notes on Babbage's analytical engine included an algorithm for computing Bernoulli numbers, which is considered the first published algorithm intended for implementation on a computer. That's wild. I know. Did she get credit for it? She didn't get credit for this, well, did, right? You'll see. I'm trying to remember like what I know about her. <laughs> So my next sentence is, Ada's contributions to computing were largely oh. <laughs> unrecognized during her lifetime. At least we should be What's having new? reading ahead. No, I am happy. Uh, and it was only in the 1950s that her work was rediscovered and appreciated. That's over 100 years after she was born. Well, I mean, probably 100 years since, like, she did that if she was born in 1850. Yeah, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Uh in recognition of her pioneering work in computer science, the Ada programming language used, wise, used widely in scientific and engineering applications is named after her. Okay. Uh, she died November 27th, 1852 of cancer at the age of 36, leaving behind important contributions to computing that were 
not fully realized until many, 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 many years after her death. So many of them died of cancer. That's why I put all these in here. So you like, it's just blowing my mind. Yeah. I don't know why. Wait, what? The, a a lot of them have died of cancer. I, when I was reading like all of the list, it mm-hmm. was like died of ovarian cancer, yeah. died of whatever cancer, cancer, cancer. Let me see. Well, well, I guess it was around more than it is now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. Maybe I just don't personally, like I have multiple family members who have, but not every single one of them. But it's just weird because all of these influential women. Yeah, died of cancer. Yeah, it's almost like... Did they get... Were they given cancer? That's what I'm wondering. Oh my gosh, I'll... Afterwards, I have to, like, tell you something about one of the ones I was going to do. Okay. So I'm going to skip around through my list here. My next one is Ida B. Wells. She was an African-American journalist and civil rights advocate who fought against lynching in the United States. She was born into slavery in Mississippi in 1862 and was later freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. Go Abe. She became a teacher, but lost her job when she wrote an article criticizing the school system. And in 1884, she sued a railroad company after being forcibly removed from a first-class train car. Hmm. She won her case in court for that one. Yes, queen. After the lynching of three of her friends in 1892, Ida began investigating and reporting on lynching in the South. Which is like so dangerous. So dangerous. For her in that time. Especially it's, after her friends just got lynched. Like, I know. Like, she's amazing. Uh, she co-founded the National Association for the Advancement of Color People in 1909. Okay. In addition to her activism, she was also a writer and published numerous articles and books throughout her life. She was a suffragist and fought for women's rights to vote. And she was also one of the first African-American women to run for public office. Wow. She died in 1931 at the age of 68 from kidney kidney disease. But her legacy as a civil rights activist and journalist still continues to inspire people today. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, the Pulitzer Prize Board um, awarded her a special citation after she died for her outstanding and courageous reporting on the horrific and vicious violence against African-Americans during the era of lynching. Well, at least, you know, they're rec- she's recognized for, you know, what mm-hmm. it was. It's just sad that, like, they can't see it. And I don't know if you saw, like, the pictures I have in there. But I was going like to ask they you about this AI. Made a Barbie. Oh, it's a Barbie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought it was, like, an AI thing. No, I believe they okay. did yeah, a Barbie in her honor. It. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I see the Barbie. Wow. But she deserves a lot more than a Barbie, but... Yeah, fuck yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Um, Okay, I'm going to jump to Rosalind Franklin. She was a British biophysicist who played a crucial role in discovering the structure of DNA, Mm -hmm. which is huge. She was born on July 25th, 1920 in London, England, and she studied at Newham Newham College, Cambridge, and later received her PhD in physical chemistry from the University of Cambridge. Her work on X-ray crystallography... I don't even know if I said that right. What is, like, uh, I'm I think assuming it, it was like crystals. It was like <laughs> old school x-ray yeah, machines. Yeah. Helped to discover the structure of DNA, but unfortunately she didn't receive credit for her contribution until many years later. Oh, man, the man she worked with. Mm-hmm. Her research on tobacco mosaic virus also contributed to the development of the field of virology. So that was um, like a plant virus that she studied hmm. that helped with the study of biological viruses wow she was known for her expertise in microscopy and imaging techniques and she worked in this field 
her work in this field, helped advance the study of viruses, DNA, and other biological structures. She eventually died of ovarian cancer. Here we go again. I know. On April 16th, 1958, at the age of 37. So young. And, like, oh. she accomplished so much. Mm-hmm. What is my life? <laughs> it's... But, um... Yeah, so none of her contributions, just like everyone else, were not recognized until after her death. Uh, Gertrude Bell, a British archaeologist, writer, and adventurer who became one of the most influential figures in that's so, that's so weird figures in Middle Eastern politics in the early 20th century. She's pretty. I know. I mean, it's a drawing, isn't it? Yeah, but the, normally maybe it's not a drawing. It looks like an actual photograph. It could be on the left. Obviously, is one, but. Okay. But yeah, she's pretty. Uh, She was a woman of many talents. Like I said, she was an archaeologist, a writer, explorer, and also a political officer. She was born in England in 1868 and grew up in in a wealthy family. She attended Oxford, learned to speak several languages, Arabic, Persian, French, and German. Wow. I know. She was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford with a degree in history in 1888. I know. She traveled extensively throughout the Middle East and Central Asia, exploring ruins, learning about local cultures, and documenting her experiences. She played a major role in the founding of of the modern state of Iraq after World War I. She helped drop the country's borders. I was just going to ask how. Establish its government and promote the rights of its citizens. That is wild. I know. Wow. And you think about all of these things these women were doing at this time, and I'm just like... That takes guts. Oh my gosh, so That is much. so scary. Yeah. Because you just don't know how people are going to react. No, especially because you are a female and it's mm-hmm. like, you know nothing. That's what they say, you right. know. Wow. I know. Uh, she was a prolific writer and left behind many journals, letters, and other documents that provide valuable insights into the culture and politics of the Middle East during the early 20th, 20th century. Um, she's known for her strong personality, intelligence, and courage. She was often referred to as the Queen of the Desert, which I love so yeah. much. What about me? Queen of the Desert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she is still revered in the Middle East today. She was a passionate advocate for women's rights and worked tirelessly to improve the lives of women in the Middle East. She died in 1926 at the age of 57 while on a trip to Iraq from an apparent overdose of sleeping pills. Which is so sad. I, that always like is sus to me. Mm-hmm. So no one, people speculated, but no one really knows what happened. If it was on purpose or not, they do believe her health was declining, and mm-hmm. she was rumored to have lung cancer. But I think there was also like a, just a lot going on in her head as well. Because um, I think she oh, so felt like she hit, that like she committed suicide in a sense. Yeah. Okay. Um. Some speculate that she felt like she kind of just hit a wall and she was pretty much done with her accomplishments in life. That's I know. Um, but her legacy continues to inspire people around the world today. So she still did good work. And I just, I hate how it ended for her. Okay. Next one is Wangari Mathai. I think that's how you pronounce it. She was a Kenyan environmental activist who was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2004. She was born in the 1940s in, I think that's Ihip, Kenya. Yeah. She was the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize in 2004 for her contribution to sustainable development, democracy, and peace. Uh, 
She was also the first woman in East and Central Africa to earn a PhD in anatomy from the University of Nairobi. She also is beautiful. Oh, I know. Not subjecting, like, all the rooms. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter what they look like, obviously, but... Yeah, no, it's... It's... Merely stating. Mm -hmm. She is... She founded the Green Belt Movement. <laughs> Sorry, can't talk tonight. Mm-hmm. She founded the Green Belt Movement in Kenya in 1977, which has since planted over 50 million trees throughout the country. Well, dang. I know. And she was an outspoken advocate for women's rights and was often arrested and beaten by police for her activism. It's just so sickening. I know. So and it's still... Yeah. <laughs> In 2002, she was elected to Kenya's parliament, becoming the first woman in Kenya to hold the position of assistant minister for environment and natural resources. She was awarded numerous humanitarian awards throughout her life, including the Order of the Rising Sun from Japan, the Nelson Mandela Award for Health and Human Rights, and the Kenyan National Honor of Elder of the Golden Heart. Those are some really big accomplishments. I know. And then, unfortunately, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2011 and passed away later that year at the age of 71. Well, at least she had, like, a more yeah. life than that. She lived a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I know. Just makes me so sad. All right. Next, we have Harriet Jacobs. She was an African-American writer who wrote Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, one of the most powerful slave narratives ever published. She was born into slavery in Edenton, North Carolina in 1813. And I hate like, I um, I just hate saying these things, but she was given to a young girl named Margaret Horniblow as a child and was taught to read and write. She later became enslaved to a Dr. James Norcom, who sexually harassed her for years. In an effort to escape his advances, Jacobs hid in a tiny attic space for seven years. Oh my goodness. Where she ended up giving birth to two sons or two children. I'm actually their sons are not in the attic. Not to this doctor. Okay. Um, but yeah, seven years in an attic and gave birth to two children. I got it. She eventually escaped in 1842 and lived in hiding for several years with the help of abolitionists and eventually made her way to the North. She wrote an autobiography called Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, which published was published under the pseudonym Linda Brent in 1861. The book is considered an important firsthand account of the horrors of slavery, particularly the sexual violence inflicted upon the slave women. She also worked as a nurse during the Civil War and helped to establish a school for African-American children in Alexandria, Virginia. And she lived the rest of her life in Massachusetts and died in 1897 at the age of 84. So she didn't die of cancer. But I know. Like, to go through all of that and then still feel that you can help others and be a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next... I have Margaret Mead, an American anthropologist who studied the cultural practices of communities around the world. She was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania (laughs) on December 16th, 1901. She earned her bachelor's degree from Barnard College in 1923 and earned her master's and doctorate in anthropology from Columbia University. She was one of the first anthropologists to recognize the importance of studying parenting practices as well as child development in different cultures. Wow. See, that's big. Like, I not know. just your culture. And not just 
like to not just focus on the children's development, but at the parenting practices mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. Um, she's best known for her fieldwork in Samoa, where she studied the attitudes towards sex and gender roles among the island's youth. I wonder if you can like access her case studies. I'm sure you can. Yeah, that would be really interesting to get into. Yeah, I'd be interested to read. And doing a deep dive on that. Um, she was a prolific writer and published over 20 books during her lifetime. Which that's a ton. Of that's books. a lot of books, uh, including Coming of Age in Samoa and Sex and Temperament in Three Primitive Societies. She was also a strong advocate for women's rights. She was instrumental in bringing attention to domestic violence and sexual assault. She was also a curator at the American Museum of Natural History in New York, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, Her daughter also became an anthropologist, so she passed it on to her. And she was awarded numerous honors, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Wow. I know. And the Viking Fund Medal for Anthropology. Never heard of that. Either. But I want to say, I want an award that says Viking. Mm -hmm. And she passed away in November of 1978 at the age of 76. Okay. And I have Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, an environmental activist and conservationist known for her work to preserve the Everglades. She was born in 1890 and died in 1998. She was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but grew up in Taunton, Massachusetts. Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota. She attended Wellesley College, where she studied English lit or yeah, so different things, English lit and drama. After college, she moved to New York City to work as a journalist and a freelance writer. Uh, she eventually married a lawyer and moved to Miami near the She's Everglades. All over. Mm-hmm. I think this is mostly where she ended, though, was near the Everglades. Okay. They built a house there. She became increasingly interested in the environmental conservation around her and began writing, giving, writing and giving speeches and writing articles on the subject. Uh, her most famous book was called The Everglades, River of Grass, and was published in 1947. It's still considered a classic of environmental literature. She was a founding member of the Friends of the Everglades, a conservation group that still exists today and advocates for the protection of the ecosystem. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian honor in the U.S. in 1993 in recognition of her lifelong work as a conservationist and environmental activist. And it's still crazy to me that she, like, that's a crazy honor. Mm-hmm. I'm Presidential like, Medal of Freedom. I kind of want to, like, look up some of these books. Mm-hmm. She lived to be 108 years old. Holy Jesus. <laughs> so she lived a nice long life. She 108. Mm-hmm. She remained active and engaged in environmental issues until she died. Oh, wow. There was a high school named in her honor in Parkland, Florida that became, well, and this is just a side note. I didn't mean to end on something terrible, but the school ended up having a mass shooting in 2018 that killed 17 people. Oh, no. Oh, that has nothing to do with like. I forgot that I I threw that into my notes (laughs) as a fun fact. Yeah, I didn't mean to laugh. (laughs) It's like, whoa. I know, it took a turn. It was very unrelated. To her and how the yeah, school got there, but, is, uh, like that's what happened. It is, and then to have that tarnish it is terrible. Um, okay, I think I have two more. So let me see here. I'm gonna do Mary Anning. She was an English paleontologist who discovered many important fossils. Ooh, I'm a fossil. Oh, I know. She was born in the small town of Lyme Regis on the coast of Dorset, England, in 1799. She was the daughter of Richard and Mary Anning, who were both collectors of fossils. 
At a young age, she developed a fascination for fossils that drew her to the Lyme Regis Beach, where she spent much of her time exploring the rocky terrain. She made her first major discovery at the age of 12. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Nope. When she discovered the complete skeleton. Complete. I'm sorry. No. This was in the early 1800s. Okay. Keep going. I believe it. I'm I, just saying. That's I know. incredible. At 12 years old, you just stumble across almost right. Tell a complete me how skeleton. you pronounce that. So it's ichthyosaurus. Of course you freaking do that flawlessly. <laughs> it's ichthyosaurus, and it's a prehistoric marine reptile. And I threw a little picture in there. I know. I've seen these He's before. so cute. I just want a rose belly. Big old beer oh belly. Goodness, and he chomped my arm off with his yeah. teeth. Let's look at those suckers. Uh, she was self-taught and had no formal education. That is insane. I know. I'm sure she learned like almost everything from her parents as well. True. Mm-hmm. True. So, but it's still that time to have like no education. Being- I know. And to not have any education and still becoming one of the most prominent female scientists in that time is crazy. She was also a skilled businesswoman and she sold her fossils to collectors to and tourists to support her family. Uh, I know. It's I mean, nice it's because she could she support get, her family, right, but like it's to get rid of your she, discoveries. Yeah. Like that. And I also hate like, <laughs> I'd rather them be in like museums than collectors like someone just like has money and i mean maybe now it's in it yeah maybe they made their way somewhere but but yeah i mean you gotta do what you gotta do especially in that time yeah she discovered a few other guys here uh one of them she discovered the first pterosaur skeleton outside of germany and i also have a picture of that he's the winged guy over there Mm. pterosaur sort of like pterodactyl do you think that it was like that color i mean obviously it's not right i'm just curious i was just thinking when i was adding these pictures into this i'm like holy shit i'm so glad dinosaurs do not exist today yeah it'd be terrifying that just like (sighs) walking your dog you're scared of a hawk but a freaking pterosaur comes down Mm -hmm. just swipes you up yeah not even the dog you yeah um and the first complete plesiosaur skeleton and i think i didn't look it up but he looks a lot like champ mm-hmm. i feel like that's what champ was so at lake champlain the sea monster mm-hmm. so everyone knows who i'm talking about when i say champ <laughs> they call him champ yeah anyway we cover that in our non yeah in our non-recording non- of cryptids um but that's what he looks like so look him up Okay. Um, her contribution to the field of paleontology was significant, and she is credited with helping to establish the science of vertebrate paleontology. Okay. She faced discrimination and was often excluded from scientific societies due to her gender and social status. Of course. Yeah. And she died in 1847 at the age of 47 from breast cancer. <sighs> Stupid cancer. <laughs> no. But she's inspired, obviously, many scientists and enthusiasts, even today. That's um, amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've said the same thing after I know, all of these, so I'm sorry like, if I am repetitive, but it's, it's just like... It's still a close really mind. is. You're just firing. And all the ones that I've never heard of, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. And maybe I'm just not cultured enough, and that's why mm-hmm. I've never heard of them. But it's just sad to me that there's not more teachings about them in school. Right. Maybe there are now, but... Maybe now, but definitely not when mm-hmm. we were in school. No. I think I have one more here. And okay, so her name, I've seen it and heard it pronounced two different ways, and I'm sure there's even more. 
So I've heard it as hypatia and hypatia. I've heard it as both, but hypatia more. Really? For me personally. Okay. Or maybe that's just like how I decided to say it when yeah. I was like really into Greek. So I'm going to go with hypatia. Okay. I guess. Uh, She was a Greek philosopher, astronomer, and mathematician known for her contributions to mathematics and astronomy. She was born in Alexandria, Egypt, around the year 370 AD. That's so crazy. I couldn't imagine. No, me either. But the depictions of her are beautiful. Like, look at her Mm -hmm. and that. And gazing at the stars. Well, not gazing. She's like doing math. I was but, say, um, I don't know if she's really gazing. She's not. She's doing things. She's, she understands mostly. it. <laughs> when I look, I'm just like, oh, pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she was the daughter of Theon, a mathematician and astronomer who also taught at the Library of Alexandria. She definitely learned a lot from him. She was the first known female mathematician and philosopher in history. She taught philosophy, mathematics, astronomy, you name it. <laughs> she also, I think, and there's so much, again, like we said, to all of these ladies. I did look a little more into her, but I didn't include it all. But, oh, my God. Like, just her take on religion is really, really cool. Hmm. Um But she was a widely respected figure in her time, and her students included many of the most prominent scholars in Alexandria, and she was particularly renowned for her work on geometry and was credited with several important mathematical discoveries. She was known for her lectures on Neoplatonism, and I don't know if I said that right. I thought I practiced this. Neoplatonism. Neoplatonism. Nope. Neoplatoism. No. Trying to even find where this is. Uh, here, I'll put my cursor there. Neoplatonism. Um, there we go. Neoplatonism. That's yeah, it. Anyway. Sounds good to me. It's fine. A philosophy that blended the teachings of Plato with, obviously, with those of other Greek philosophers. Hmm. So that's where it gets its name. Um, she was also an advocate for religious tolerance and moderation and was known for her attempts to reconcile conflicting religious beliefs. Wow. I know. And as a woman, Too bad we didn't, like, this. keep her in history books to keep, you know, learning. About it. Yeah, I've never heard of her. Me, me. Well, I've heard of aphasia, but that, or apatia. Hypatia. I don't know. Or, yeah, however you say it. But, like, my grandma's really into it and the names and stuff. So, like, when we would talk about it, she would say hypatia, but it really probably just stems from however you... Mm-hmm heard it or you see it and you say it so then it just comes from that so i'm not really sure how her i like hypatia too all right i'm gonna do the rest of saying hypatia oh no you don't have to i literally don't know i'm probably wrong but i should do both and it's probably neither yeah (laughs) you're both wrong i'm just both wrong all the time they got messed up throughout history um so do you remember much about what happened to her at all? No, I really okay. just remember like the astronomy, like astrology and math stuff. So she died in March 415 AD. And Those dates confuse me. I don't know why. I know it's so simple, but it <laughs> confuses me. It was a long, long, long time ago. Right. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but her death was a brutal and controversial event. 
She was attacked by a mob of Christian monks serving as henchmen for the archbishop, who accused her of promoting paganism and witchcraft. Of course. And these guys did a lot of nasty things in their time. They destroyed the remains of the Library of Alexandria, where her dad worked. They they leveled pagan temples. They defiled masterpieces of ancient art that they believed to be demonic. I just watched a YouTube video on these people. They would melt it down. Because uh, it would be gold into mm-hmm. gold and, mm-hmm. I don't know, use it. Um, but what they did to Hypatia was even more horrific. Because they understood nothing about her philosophy and they just called her a witch. Because that's what they did. Like, mm-hmm. even that long ago. Yeah. And still not that long ago for us. It was just like, oh, you're a witch. So, one day they just they approached her and pulled her from her chariot as she was riding through the city. And they dragged her to a temple. She was stripped naked. Her skin was flayed with jagged pieces of oyster shells. Oh, my God. I know. What do you mean by flayed? Like- they would slice her up. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oyster shells. Bro? Um, her, they, they pulled off her limbs and paraded through the streets with them. I know. I, it's awful. You parade through the streets like barbaric, dude. And I don't like I. And your God told you to do that, right? You're yeah, because you think she's Sorry, a witch. I don't think so. When she teaches others, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's just um. So they would pull her limb. They pulled her limbs off, and they paraded through the streets, and then they burned her in a mockery of pagan sacrifice. Oh, dude! Like my legs are going. I'm pissed. Let's yeah. <laughs> mess up. But despite her tragic end, her legacy lived on. Her work continued to influence later mathematicians and philosophers. And she remains a symbol of learning, inquiry, and intellectual courage. And in recent years, she's been celebrated as a feminist icon and a symbol of women's achievements in science and academia. Oh, yeah. And she deserves it. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I know, I... This was I saved her for last just because of how she died. Yeah, I was just gonna say, why'd you do that to me? But I get it. I get the mm-hmm. setup. I see. I see you. <laughs> I and see you. Because it shocked me when I read that. Yeah, like, I wasn't prepared. Kidding me? Um, it's awful. And I just that was all I had. I just had a few inventions I wanted to quickly run through, just the names, of the inventions, and who invented them. Because of course, all women. My first one was computer software, Grace Hopper. Windshield wipers, Mary Anderson. That's mind blowing. I know. Which I don't know. Like, what would you do without well, your windshield probably, wipers? Well, yeah, and she was probably like in the car as the man was driving. Mm-hmm. It was like, who freaking designed? Like, you can't see. Yeah. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I gotta do is get something like this. Yep. And there you go. Just it's probably so simple. Takes a woman. Takes a woman. Uh, it really does. This one blew my mind. It shouldn't, but it's freaking amazing. Kevlar. Stephanie Quolick discovered Kevlar or created Kevlar. Wow. Uh, I know. Uh, fire escape. Smart woman. Anna Connolly. Sorry, I had to look up Kevlar. <laughs> oh. And now I'm like, I knew that. You good now? <laughs> yeah, we're good. All right. I should have, I should have like noticed when there wasn't a huge reaction um, I was like, dude, I don't want to admit that I'm like blanking right now. That's and okay. then I read it and I was like, fuck <laughs> me, dude. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, we're here to learn. Yeah, and I did. That's why we're here. I did. Okay. If I got anything out of today, it's Kevlar. 
Good. I'm glad. <laughs> Fire escape. Yeah. Fire escape. Probably because Anna Connolly. Probably because she was left at home. Yeah, or like being harassed or something. Or and was like, I need to escape. It, yeah, it could be any of those things. <laughs> or she had children and she was like, um, if this catches fire, mm-hmm. I want another way out. Yeah. Which yeah. I I don't know when this was. It was fairly recent. But have you ever seen like those posts of like old timey photos of things that people did they don't do today? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. One of them was like a, you know, those like cat window bubbles on the outside of your yeah. house. It was like that, except it wasn't a bubble. It was like metal wire not wire but like metal like a cage Mm -hmm. connected to your window you just put your kid in (laughs) to give them fresh air bring it back dude (laughs) i read like this thing and i think it still happens now in like more nordic regions Mm -hmm. um not in like north america i think more like europe Mm -hmm. people would just like if they go to have go to shop or have coffee or something like that they'll leave their newborn babies like their young infants and stuff in the strollers out in the cold because it's like a way to make them strong get used to the cold <laughs> it's healthy for their immune system what? yeah dude i don't know it sounds like they just don't maybe want their fact kids. check me on that but i was like i'm moving there i'm going shopping <laughs> leave my kid outside it's freaking normalized it's okay go in there it just smart like they don't they toughen don't up them. Popping up, young buck. (laughs) Moving on. (sighs) Disposable diapers. Marion Donovan. Speaking about kids. I know. It was a good segue. So that... Think how many diapers are just like in landfills though now. Yeah. But... But yeah, I mean, it was definitely they worth it. the environment at that point. How often do you want to be washing and rewashing? Well, yeah, she was the one fucking doing diapers. it all the time. She's oh like, yeah, I, no, I get why better it method. is. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, yeah. I'll probably succumb to that. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, liquid paper. Bet Nesmith Graham. Do you know what liquid paper is? I don't think I do. I'm pretty sure it's just white out. Oh, okay. It looks like white yeah, because I meant because I didn't look into it. Obviously, because I'm not a professional. But it, the correction picture, fluid, li- yeah. So yeah, correction no, fluid says definitely. Look at her smile. She's so happy. She's so proud. She's like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna. Pee. I used to make mistakes, and now you can't tell. Except <laughs> so you still can. You can. Like it should be better than what it is. It has it like. improved ever over the years? No, I think they've kept other it. than the name. They've kept it since the which I like liquid paper than better than I do whiteout. Yeah, me too. Okay, because uh, I use whiteout today. We know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. Next, we have the medical syringe. Letitia Gear. I wonder when that was. Oh, 1899. Good job. I can read. Good job. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a huge, huge, huge thing. Uh, solar heating system. Dr. Maria Telks or Telkis. Get it, girl. Thank you. Uh-huh. Refrigerator. Florence Parper. Yeah. Thank we all know you. why. Like, could you imagine before they just have like the ice boxes or no. like put it outside in their cellar? Crazy, yeah. And look at how they looked back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's what neat. it was. It was like an ice box, mm-hmm. like it's up top cool. there, that little thing. I think that's the that's freezer. The, yeah. I wish I could live on just a little little amount of food and storage yeah. like that. <laughs> It's crazy. And my last one here is a life raft by Maria Beasley. <laughs> See the 
Yes. <laughs> the print for that. That was in 1880. And I'm looking at all the, it looks like, I think it's supposed to be writing, but it looks like like little people like diving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're letters. Yeah. <laughs> at first I was like, is that supposed to like interpret people like diving into these little like circle oh. things? Of well, that's water? not, the whole thing's the raft. No, I got that Oh, now. okay. You're good now. But at first I thought it was like a depiction of like. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that's good. Well, it definitely took me a second when I first saw that to like. No, because you know life crafts don't look like this at all anymore. No, they're like inflatable yeah. or like the little like boats it's like that are on the a side. castaway invention. Yeah, yeah. So it has sides on it, but that was all I had. I love um, it. All my women. I did just want to shout out this really cool Instagram account called Women of Illustration. They have tons of art and all women artists and it's about women and it's just really really empowering and cool to see so definitely give them a follow yeah i'm definitely gonna go follow them now that you showed me mm-hmm. it's a good page yeah so why don't you hit us up with your story that you have <laughs> all right you ready i'm ready for so my case what do you have for us okay so i wanted to go a little bit deeper than my normal generic like google search so i started asking myself are there women that aren't making these lists like where are the ones because some of these lists it was like repeating some of them it was just like right you know Mm -hmm. maybe once or twice but wanted to find someone that i never heard of before and you know are these women that have been truly lost in history So, of course, the answer to that is yes, but how do I really find them? Where do I look? So, after a few days of researching and getting frustrated because I didn't (laughs) know if I would find what I wanted by the time of this recording, but I did find multiple influential women and girls who permanently changed history but weren't recognized for their work. The woman who impacted me the most in my research, though, was... None other than the two sisters named Freddie and Truce Overstegen. Nice. I think I did pretty well on that pronunciation. Overstegen. Overstegen. Um, and so they're sisters? They are sisters. They don't really look alike. Not. But I'm not really good at that. Not anyway. quite. Um, and they were quite opposite. Mm-hmm. I didn't really include this in my writing, so I can say that now. Like, we have pictures here for us to see. Maybe we'll post, like, oh, on our Instagram is, or something. This is them, too. Older. Yes, this is when they're finally getting recognized, which we'll get into. But they um, they were sisters. Freddie was younger and Truce was older. Which one's which? Did you do it in that so order? So if you... So the ones that we're looking at right now, mm-hmm. the one on the left of the first, very first picture, mm-hmm. that's going to be Freddie. Okay. Truce is on the right. And then the next picture, obviously, it's mm-hmm. switched. And then down where they're older... Freddie is on the left holding up the prize, and okay. Truce is on the right. Gotcha. And then beneath that, I have Freddie by herself, younger and older, mm-hmm. and Truce, so younger and older. I know, gorgeous. They said that she was like the girly girl, and mm-hmm. Truce was like a tomboy. You can see the way they smile, even. Yeah. And yeah. And it says that Freddie always had like curly, bouncy hair. Mm-hmm. And when she's older. And still. she used that beauty to her advantage. Oh, Let me go, tell girl. you, you are not ready for this. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe, or I don't know. Now, I will probably mess up. I kind of try to leave some of the names out because I just didn't want to butcher mm-hmm. them. So, like, they're moms. I really don't know how to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into it. Okay. So, never heard of them? No. 
I've never heard of them. I don't either. think so. But they are absolute freaking legends. Ooh, so on so August 29th, 1923, Trignante, Trignante, A for effort. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Would give birth to a revolutionary woman named Truce Overstegen. Two years later, she would once again birth an influential woman named Freddie Overstegen. The two girls would grow up in a poor family, being raised by a single mother. At the young age of 14, Freddie joined the Dutch resistance during World War II, and by 16, she became one of its armed assassins. What? At 16, she was an assassin? Yeah, bro. I'm telling you. What? They're legends. So, with her sister, Truce, and later a young woman named Hanny Shaft, the three would lure, lure, ambush, and kill German Nazis and their Dutch collaborators. Freddie and Truce... Um, and as I said, Truce was two years older, mm-hmm. grew up in the city of Harlem with a single working class mom. The two girls learned a lot from their mother, who also considered herself a communist and taught her daughters the importance of fighting injustice. Nice mom. I know. During the, I really think that their mom is like... Mm-hmm how they became who they were. So during the brink of the war in 1939 in Europe, she would take the mother would take Jewish refugees into their home. And then as shown by their mother, Freddie and Truce learned quote that if you have to help somebody like refugees, you have to make sacrifices for yourself. And this is quoted from Jerome Placer, a chair of the National Hanny Shaft Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's someone who has interviewed both Truce and Freddie. Wow. So on to their story. By May 1940, Nazis invaded the Netherlands, an occupation that lasted until the end of the war. The girls weren't just going to sit there and wait for it to end, though. They joined their mother in distributing anti-Nazi papers and pamphlets for the resistance, which is, like, so scary, actually, when yeah. you think about it. Like, I mean, more so than all the other ones that we just covered, because Nazis are a whole other level. Right. Like, you're getting killed or put into a concentration camp, like, right then and there. So, Freddie would later say in interviews, quote, we also glued warnings across German posters in the street calling men to work in Germany, and then we'd hurry off on our bikes. They're freaking queens. Wait, they would do what? So, like, all the advertisements and stuff on the streets, Mm -hmm. like, all the propaganda for, like, coming and supporting and, like, fighting for Nazi Germany, they would go and, like, cover it up. They'd glue, like, warnings saying, like, what it is and, like, revolutionize it Mm -hmm. in a way. And I read that how they did that with, like, Truce would kind of, like block Freddie mm-hmm. and she'd like be behind her doing it and then they hurry up and get on their bikes and like rush wow. off holy cow so like I said if you put your shoes in yourself in their shoes for a minute like you're just merely a 14 That's 16 year old but you're resisting against the Nazis mm-hmm. so if the Nazi or Dutch police caught the two sisters they very well could have been killed But their youthfulness worked in their favor because officials were less likely to suspect them of working for the resistance. They thought that they were just innocent, little, beautiful, like pretty girls. Mm -hmm. By 1941, a commander with the Harlem Resistance Group took a visit to the sister's house, asking their mother if he could recruit Freddie and Truce. With their mother's consent and both sisters agreeing to join, Freddie and Truce would change history. 
Truth's leader would say, quote, only later did he tell us what we'd actually have to do. Oh, my God. Sabotage bridges and railway lines and learn to shoot Nazis, end quote. Quoting her sister responding to the resistance. Oh, sorry. How I worded that. But um, they said in response to him, well, that's something I've never done before. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll go do that. We're just going to, you know, hang up posters and. I think that they were all for things. it. I think later they realized the trauma, but at the time they like, they were like, we're doing this for the greater cause of like humanity. Yeah. Sabotaging bridges, railway lines, and learning to shoot Nazis. And when I'm saying like sabotaging, they like throwing like grenades, yeah. setting, detonating bombs. Yes. God. So, in at least one instance, Truce seduced an SS officer into the woods so that someone from the resistance could shoot him. Nice. Freddie and Truce also, as mentioned, would shoot Nazis, too, going on assassination missions by themselves. Holy shit. Fucking scary, dude. Are they still... 14 and 16 are they older now um so at this point when they're shooting them i truce is probably around 18 and freddie's 16 wow so she doesn't really they started at 14 and 16 and then two Mm -hmm. years later they're like into this so later on in the resistance they focused on killing dutch collaborators who arrested or endangered jewish refugees and resistance members Mm -hmm. Bass von Benden Beckman. Oof, what a name. What a name, dude. <laughs> BV, BV. Can you say that one more time? Bass von Bend, Benda Beckman. I said it very... Bass von Benda, Benda Beckman. Say that five Named times Bass fast. von. Bass von Benda Beckman. Wow. A Love former it. researcher at the Netherlands Institute of War, Holocaust, and Genocide Studies said, quote, unquote, <laughs> They were unusual, these girls. There were a lot of women involved in the resistance in the Netherlands, but not so much in the way that these girls were. There are not many examples of women who actually shot collaborators themselves. Wow. So, like, they... They were, like, one of a kind. They really were. And they were a package deal. Mm-hmm. Like, sisters, they protected each other. Yeah. That's how they got as far as they did, I'm sure. Yeah. So Freddie's specialty was following a target or keeping a lookout during missions since she looked so young and unsuspecting. Both of the sisters shot to kill, but would never reveal how many Nazis and Dutch collaborators they assassinated. Oh, you know, it's a lot then. I know. That's what I was saying. Yeah. It's a lot. Freddie is quoted for saying she and her sister were soldiers and soldiers don't say. Wow. The sisters had other duties than being assassins. They would also bring Jewish refugees to a new hiding place, working in, they would work in emergency hospitals and, and shady. <laughs> Close, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not, but it's fine. Thanks for the support. <laughs> and blowing up the railway line between Imuinden oh, okay. and Harlem. So bringing Jewish, Jewish refugees to new hiding places. Yes. Working in emergency rooms yeah like hospitals for like jewish and then she slides over to blowing up railways yeah dude (laughs) (laughs) they did everything like checked all the boxes talk about the secret life um by 1943 the sisters would then join forces with hanny shaft and here's a picture of hanny do you see her with that gun whoa like what an iconic picture and she's got pants on yeah like short trouser looking things yeah look at her 
And she's also, like, gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So, Hanny was a former university student who dropped out because she refused to sign a pledge of loyalty to Germany. Once she dropped out, the three would form a sabotage and assassination cell. Hanny became Truce and Freddie's best friend. But by 1945, the sisters became devastated when Nazis would arrest and kill Hanny just three weeks before the war ended in Europe. Oh, that's so sad. So they spent, they spent like prison time with her. No. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. The sisters were never in prison. So they they knew her. They formed their like assassination thing. Oh, they had like the sabotage assassination so cell where they would like bring Nazis to. I thought or the that Dutch was the other way collaborators. Oh, gotcha. So they knew and became best friends with her over mm-hmm. a span of two years. But then um, Hanny was captured and was taken in. That is so scary. And sad. So, according to lore, Hanny's last words were, "Quote: I'm a better shot." End quote. After initially only being wounded by her executor or executioner. Oh, you know, that sounds familiar. Yeah. From somewhere. I mean, Hanny is much more known mm-hmm. than the sisters were. Yeah, like that. Because there's that, like, foundation and everything with her. We got she, quote and what happened there. I'm a better Sounds shot. very familiar. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's true or not, mm-hmm. but I think, like, it gives me chills. Like, that's yeah. your last words. Like, oh, my God. I mean, I'd go... I'd, I'd like to think I'd go out on something badass. Right. I mean, say. I hope so. And but scary. Be but... Like, no, don't you? I know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I probably would have that asshole, like... I think it just kicks come in. at me, bitch. I think you're just kicking I'm dying at anyways. That. Exactly. I think you're... And you miss your... I'd laugh. You miss your one, like, shoot to kill. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, good shot, bro. Yeah. <laughs> You'd say that. <laughs> I do love the word bro. I know you do. <laughs> it's your time, not mine. <laughs> Once the war ended, the sisters would have to deal with the trauma of killing people and losing their best friend. Truce dealt with her trauma by creating sculptures and later spoke and wrote about their time in the resistance. Freddie Coates, quote, by getting married and having babies, as she told Vice Netherlands in 2016. Okay. However, the experience <laughs> of the war... I, I know, I love that advice, too. <laughs> However, the experience of the war would still cause her insomnia. In an interview, Freddie recalled seeing a person she shot fall to the ground and having the human impulse to want to help him. So it, like, shows that they weren't just out there to be assassins. Like, Mm they... They had a soul. Right. Um, They also quote from Truth said, we did not feel it suited us. It never suited anybody unless they were real criminals. Mm -hmm. Um, They... We're revolutionists, like, we're, you know, what, is that a word, revolutionists? I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. The way I said it, like, sounded weird, I feel <laughs> like. So, they really, they were doing it for for a good cause. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't just killing yeah, that, to kill. That has to sit with you, no matter the circumstances. I just... So, even though tough. they were two years apart, both of them died at the age of 92, so, like, not the same year, obviously. <laughs> Truce passed away in 2016, and Freddie passed away on September 5th, 2018, which is a day before she would turn 93. That's that's really weird. I know. Like, were they supposed to die, like, at the same age? Mm-hmm. Like, serve that same amount of time on yeah. Earth? I don't know. Numbers are weird. So, they are. <laughs> and not for me. 
Throughout much of their long lives, the Netherlands did fail to properly recognize the sisters' achievements, and they sidelined them as communists. But in 2014, like I said earlier, it Mm -hmm. seemed like a lot happened in 2014. They finally received national recognition for their service to their country by receiving the... (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. Tell me what it is. Mobilisati or Lugiskris. Mobilisati or Lugiskris. Or better known as the War Mobilization Cross. (laughs) Let me say that again because I was laughing so hard. But War Mobilization Cross also known as Mobilisati or Lugiskris. We're going to cut that and we're going to put that into like a beat. And it's going to be our intro for the next episode. That was the one that I was, like, most nervous of. I love it. Like, can you, you say it? I think it. you said give it me, Give me your oh, best Oh, no, go. this is your word. I don't want to do that. Let me look. All right. I don't think I did that. I have no idea what you even said anymore. Not <laughs> <laughs> that I'm looking at. I have no clue. Uh, Mobilis- Mobilisati or Logscrewis. Logscrewis. I don't know. Or, or log. Or mobilization You gotta have like the Netherlands here. vibe though to I, it. Or Logscrewis. That's not, is that Netherlands? I don't that know. sounds Dutch. Is that the same? That's not the same. Is I mean, that they're the close. I don't know. You guys, I've been out of school a while. <laughs> I don't remember where things are. <laughs> Holland or the Netherlands. Oh, Holland. Um, the use of Dutch to refer to the people of the Netherlands oh, yeah. doesn't occur in most languages. However, English is the only language that calls the language spoken in the Netherlands Dutch. Oh. <laughs> the Dutch themselves called their language Netherlands. <laughs> and most other languages have some variation of on that theme. Okay. So. So I'm back to like, what's the accent supposed to sound like? I feel like you're up there. Like, like a- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that it is. Um, but um, that's my case. Like, yeah. I just thought no, that's amazing. Yeah, it was different than all the other things I read. Mm-hmm. But I also like once I read that they would lure them, and, like try and seduce them. And what they did was like they would lure them into these woods, and then there was like the revolutionary soldiers just sitting up there and just would snipe them. It's amazing, fucking wild, dude. Because men are men. Yep, men are men, no and offense. they'll go after sixteen or yep. fourteen year old. Just saying. So I did include some pictures here at yeah. the end. This is um, true sculpting, the very first one. And then this oh. was her. I didn't know what she was doing. Honestly. Yeah, it's like, her creating a sculpture. This is also true talking to a, a boy. I don't really know the context of it, but love the fashion of the time. <laughs> then we have Freddie again. Oh. And the next one down, they actually. So. They did have a dad, but their parents got divorced, and I don't really know what happened. Like, he just left. Mm. So, it was just the mom and the two girls. She did remarry, and then they had a half-brother. Okay. So, that is who is pictured there. I don't don't really get that deep into the family Mm -hmm. dynamics of it. Wow. And then this here is Secret Detective Service District of Harlem for Freddie. It was like one of her. It's an actual like card, like an undercover card. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's cool. And then the pictures that I had. Yeah. Uh, so, did they make a movie about this? Because why does some some of this seem familiar, like luring Nazis out, killing maybe. women? 
But I didn't see anything about that, maybe. but I honestly, there could have been. I don't know why that sounds similar. But to, I didn't like hear any of it before. It probably has gotten more recognition now that mm-hmm. like from 2014, there probably is a movie. Probably. But I do know that like, I feel like I've heard more about Hank. Haney or Hanny? I think I was saying Hanny, but I think it's Haney. Oh, really? I don't well, know. I don't think I knew the name, but her story definitely sounded familiar. But I definitely... <laughs> I learned a lot in this episode. I have too. Through my research and just listening to yours. Um, yeah, I know we didn't like set it up how we originally thought, but mm-hmm. I just... Once I like found theirs There's just too, so many. I was like, no, I want to talk about these mm-hmm. freaking legends. Yeah. Well, I would say we could definitely do deep dives later on into these different ones mm-hmm. and get even more details because holy, they're so all so interesting and colorful and a lot of them are sad, you know, but who runs the world? We forgot Girls. to say them in the beginning. Who runs the world? Because that's the title, I think, of our episode, right? Uh, did we well. ever even say the title of our episode? <laughs> so, you guys, the title of the episode is Who Runs the World? The Question answer? Mark. Girls. Girls. Girls do. Look at us go. And, you know, we're doing a podcast. Who runs so this podcast? We do. Girls. I was supposed to say girls. <laughs> I did good. All right. Well, whatever. Well, um, so that was our episode, you guys. Our very first episode. Hopefully you liked Yay. it. Hopefully, uh, if we you didn't, nervous. still support us. <laughs> yeah. If you're gone now, all three of you, sorry. <laughs> you're giving us a lot of credit. Three. <laughs> no, hopefully it's more than three. Ten. I'll give us ten. I think we'll probably get the most on our first one. I don't want people to go back and listen if it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, thank you again. Thank you so much. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at UAQPod. That's it. All one word. We abbreviated unprofessionals asking questions to UAQ so you, we don't have to worry about your bad typing skills and finding the <laughs> wrong pages, okay? So UAQPod, Instagram. Give us a follow. And our email is UAQPod at gmail.com. Please, please, please send us any thought-provoking questions that you might have or stupid questions because if we get not enough questions maybe we'll just read them back and forth make it a drinking game who knows oh we love a good drinking game i do i do anyway um <laughs> well you you corrected to just you i'm like okay well, well i was like well, i don't want to speak for both of us maybe you don't <laughs> it's been a while but it, that'd be mm-hmm. fun like a it, if they're like dumb questions or funny questions yeah. Try not to laugh. And if you laugh, you drink or something. That would be fun. Yeah. We'll think about it. So if there are any questions, topics yes. that you want us to any cover. Because we didn't say this in the beginning, but we're pretty much covering all corners of the earth here. Yeah. Whatever we feel like doing on the week that it's we're our doing podcast, it. Okay? And we can do whatever exactly. we want. <laughs> um, and send us stories. Any kind of stories. We love creepy we love funny mm-hmm. you know anything really and haunting not too many like romantic comedies no oh, really that's not your forte <laughs> uh, unless you read them you can read them no uh, okay you think i'm the romantic no but <laughs> it's gotta be one right uh. give us a follow send us an email thank you again for listening thanks for your support and we will see you again next time Toodle-o. bye, bye.